you are Locked On A's. Your daily Oakland A's podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's time for Locked On A's. Stepping to the mic, it's your host, Jason Burke. Thank you, Amelia, and how's it going, A's fans? Welcome to episode 257 of the Locked On A's podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, noted baseball fan, Jason Burke, and on today's episode, I am talking with Connor Newcomb of Locked On Orioles. He is a great dude. Love talking baseball with him. He is very cerebral. He knows what's going on with this team. So we crossed over. We are talking about the A's and Orioles series in Baltimore this weekend. We're getting you guys all set up for that, but before I send it over to that talk with Connor. Uh, I do got to do some light housekeeping. Like this episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the app and join me today. Well, depending on when you're listening this today, Friday, I'm going to be going live on the Locker Room app at four o'clock for the A's and Baltimore Orioles game, uh, the first game of the series. So uh, if you're around, why not drop in? All you got to do is download the app on any iOS device. Uh, follow me at ByJasonB and you will be alerted when my room goes live. And that's, it's really that simple. It's fantastic. And that is your way to get in on the action. That's locker room changing the way that we talk about sports. And also uh, make sure to follow us on social media at LockedOnA's on Twitter and Instagram. I am at ByJasonB on Twitter and in the locker room app. And if you have any questions for us, please send those to LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. Uh, I'll be live tweeting the game a little bit less at the start of the game, probably for like the first half hour, hour or so, because I'll be on the locker room app, but I'll try and get the, get the big things if like Matt Olson has four home runs in the first couple of innings, then I will tweet those, but I'll be on the locker room app for the first like hour or so. So if you want to hear me talk about this game, uh, hit me up on the locker room app. It's going to be lots of fun. So with all of that, well, that's that's the housekeeping right now. I'll, I'll be back later for some more sponsors and stuff, but that is the housekeeping. So without further ado, here's my talk with Connor Newcomb of Locked on Orioles getting you guys ready for this weekend. All right, today I am joined by Connor Newcomb of Locked on Orioles getting you guys ready for <laughs> He just gave me a little hat tip. That was great. I, I usually don't look and I did to this time, but you know what? Screw it. We're talking about the Orioles and A's. Connor, how are you doing today, man? <laughs> I'm great, Jason. How are you? I'm doing great. The Orioles have been a decent team so far. They're not, you know, the worst and I think that this is that one step in the the progression of getting to be a better team. They're not the pirates or the, uh, the Rangers right now. Those are the teams that people are looking at as the worst. The Orioles are a decent team. They'll give you, they'll put up a fight. They're not just going to lay down. Where do you see the Orioles in their rebuild right now? How are they looking to you? You know, 15 games into this season. Yeah. I mean, you know, they're, you know, seven and nine as we speak, winning a game right now. So it could be eight, nine, which is, you know, you, you'll take that from this roster to have eight wins and in, in 17 chances to start the season. But, uh, you know, they're, they're obviously not in a year right now yet where anyone's expecting them to to win any games. Uh, well, they're going to win some games, but but win to they a, you a know, few. Right. Win to a number, you know, greater than than 70 some. Um, you know, that's kind of the peak for this season, probably if they could get there, but, you know, I'm thinking for this team, this is a big year for the Orioles because this is the first year where it's not just all just straight up evaluation, like just plugging guys out there and seeing how they do in this situation, how they do in this situation, evaluating for the future. 
This is the first year where some decisions, at least by September, have to be made on some of these guys who have been, you know, placeholders for the Orioles, maybe lower ranked prospects who are a little older and have gotten to the big leagues. This is where, you know, some decisions start to be made this year. So again, it's not going to be about winning this year. It's still about evaluation, obviously, but I think it's a little more high pressure evaluation for some guys, you know, like, uh, for example, like a Rio Ruiz, who's kind of been the, the starting third baseman for the last couple of years, but he's not really a future piece, but can he be a bench piece for the next couple of years to help the team when they're starting to win again, or do they get rid of him right as they think they're going to start winning? That's, you know, what kind of stuff goes on this year. So that's kind of what we're looking for. And it's nice when that also turns into, you know, them playing 500 ball and, and giving some teams some, some good runs for their money. And they, they got rid of uh, Renato Nunez. He's now with the Tigers. Uh, I, that's part of the evaluation process. I, I would take it as um, they, they've got some interesting guys. They brought in Michael Franco. Is he another one of those guys? Let's see if he's got something. Let's see if we can unlock something. Or was that more of a, let's see if we can get something out of him and turn him into a valuable trade piece. Wh- which way do you think they're going with somebody like Michael Franco? Yeah. Franco's interesting because, you know, he kind of falls into the category of a guy I just mentioned in Ruiz, you know, everyone thought Ruiz, although he wasn't spectacular last year, by any means was going to have the third base job for one more year before they started looking elsewhere. Then we're halfway through the spring training and here's Michael Franco with no job. And now all of a sudden he signed to the Orioles and you're looking at the roster and you're going, well, Franco has only ever played third base and Ruiz has only ever played third base. So something's got to give. It turns out their their plan all along was to move Ruiz to second, which has worked out okay so far this year. But, you know, Franco's leading the team in RBIs right now. Um, he's hitting, you know, in the 270s, I believe. Um, his defense isn't great. Uh, he has already made, it cost the, the Orioles a couple of outs in the game going on as we speak. Um, but he's not horrible. You know, he's, he's league average sometimes. But the, the bat has been good. And he's another guy where... You know, I would guess he's probably just a one-year placeholder, but I could totally see the Orioles at least re-signing him for another year and, you know, potentially continuing to re-sign him until someone pushes him out as a prospect or he plays good enough to trade him and get a prospect back. Well, one of those things, like the A's do this and cards on the table. I used to write about the Astros and one of the big things that uh, was good in their rebuild was they had a bunch of just league average guys. They'd have like their stars, but then... Everybody was just league average in the lineup and you win a lot of games with just being league average across the board and having somebody that's league average, like Michael Franco, not a bad idea. And that, that's just something that I always stick with. I'm like, yeah, oh, you got these have their superstars, but if like Jed Lowry's league average, I'm cool. He's playing like an MVP right now, but if Elvis Andrews league average, they're doing just fine. So that's something that I look for in a, in rebuilds and whatnot. So, yeah. yeah. And you, and you mentioned kind of veteran infielders and you just kind of mentioned the two guys, you know, Franco's kind of a veteran infielder brought in, you know, Lowry and Andrus, obviously Jed Lowry had been with the A's. Now he's back and Andrus in that, I'll say a weird trade. I don't know if it was good or bad for either team, just a weird Chris Davis for Elvis Andrus. Everyone was like, Hmm, that was a move. Um, how have those two worked out in, you know, this is not as much A's like moves, you know, a little bit older players that they're bringing in more so than, you know, like cheaper reclamation projects that they sometimes will, will, you know, lean towards. These are more like established veteran guys coming back in, uh, to Oakland. When they traded Chris Davis, basically they were trading away his money because the Rangers are now also paying 
Elvis Andrews contract for this year. So they, they had some money to play with. They got Chris Davis's like 17 and a half million dollars off the books. And then they don't have to pay Elvis Andrews. So that opened up a lot of money that they did not want to spend. So having somebody else pay for guys, help them rebuild the bullpen a little bit. They got, you know, Rosenthal was like an extra expenditure, but they got uh Petit and Sergio Romo again, a couple of older veteran guys, but guys in the bullpen, they tend to go a little bit older that have longer track records, less volatility than, somebody like Paul Fry, who I'm excited about, uh, you know, not being an Orioles fan, but looking at his stats, I'm like, Hey, I think he might be good, but is he good? I don't know. With Romo and Petit, you kind of have an idea of what you're going to get from each of those guys. And Elvis Andrews, if he's league average, I've said this the entire time, if he's league average, that is a win for the A's because you go out and you get a DH and the day that they traded for Elvis Andrews, I said, Mitch Moreland and Jed Lowry at, at like two of like five guys that could be DH candidates for the A's. Jed Lowry is apparently healthy enough to go play second base every day, which is wonderful. But just if you get a better bat than Chris Davis at the H on the aggregate, the moves make sense a lot. And so that's where I think that the A's were coming from is they freed up money to go address other needs that they had. And then you can still be a pretty good team on the aggregate, even without Simeon and Liam Hendricks and Chris Davis. So I think that's kind of what they were going for. And, you know, as an A's fan and a team, a fan of a team that, wants to see them con- contend and they still have Chapman and Olsen and Ramon Laureano. Mark Canna's very underrated and very good. You want to see them go after it. And they weren't doing that until February. And it looks like they're at least kind of trying to do what they can within the financial constraints that they've put upon themselves. Right. And, and sometimes those financial constraints lead to, you know, waiver wires trying to kind of, you know, find talent where others, you know, have kind of cast guys off and, and it did seem like more so of a, of a veteran offseason. You know, Mitch Moreland uh, was another guy, you know, just kind of looking, you know, across this roster, even in the bullpen. You know, you mentioned Petit and, and Diekman and Romo and, and Adam Cleric and, you know, these guys who are, are, are definitely older and, and into their 30s. This year, the Locked On Podcast Network is partnering with the Draft Network to cover the NFL Draft Live. Get insight and analysis from our local Locked On experts and Draft Network's national experts. Subscribe to the Locked On NFL YouTube page to watch live three-day coverage of the NFL Draft April 29th through May 1st. And now back to my conversation with Connor Newcomb. Does... Does the team, you know, when you watch them, you know, obviously compared to say a team like the Mariners in their division, who has gone very, very young and, and it's working out so far this season, do they, it's kind of a odd question, but do, do they look like an older team when they play as far as just being a, a more veteran type team or, you know, where does that fall in because of, you know, all the older guys have kind of brought in to, to fill some holes this season. They're not super like big on bat flipping, but they're not like opposed to it. So that's what I think of when I think of younger teams is bat flips. And these have never, these aren't the guys that do that, but I don't think that they're opposed to showing a lot of fire on the field whatsoever. You know, Mark Hanna uh, has shirts that say bat flipping season because he said that once and it was really funny, but they, they are they're not like a station to station team. They're not like nine Albert Pujols is in the lineup right now. They, they are actually stealing more bases now than I think that I've ever seen them do outside of like Ricky Henderson, but you got Ramon Laureano stealing today. They've stolen three or four bases already in like four innings against the twins. Uh, Elvis Andrews has been teaching guys how to steal bases and he's stunk <laughs> with the bat, but he's been teaching guys how to Steal bases, and that could be a huge benefit, uh, or a huge benefit of having him on the roster because you can't point to anything else being the reason why they're stealing more bases 
except for Alvis Andrews, because he's the only different thing that is you know on in this uh, roster right now. And I think that that is something that I like it. So I know that doesn't necessarily answer the question, but they're stealing more bases. And I think that that is a, a young person thing, not an older person thing. Yeah, it wasn't a great question. I just had kind of noticed that the the guys, they were, you know, because I know the A's sometimes will kind of find some gems on the waiver wire. And I felt like more so this year, it wasn't so much guys on waivers as much as just older guys on, on one-year deals um, who are still productive, obviously. You know, I still trust Mitch Moreland. I know he got a, a walk-off hit the other day. Um, you know, I obviously, you know, kind of had forgotten about Jed Lowry because the Mets couldn't get him on the field, but, you know, he's, he's back in there as well. Um, but I know we both kind of wanted to talk about the starting pitching matchups for the weekend. And I know neither team has officially named those starters, but we pretty much with the, how the rotation shakes out, kind of know um, who's going to pitch. So I know to start on Friday, the Orioles are going to send Jorge Lopez out there. Um, who um, that's the, uh, the Friday starter. I had him as Saturday. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So uh, he, he will go out there Friday um, for the Orioles. He pitched last Friday um in texas and so for lopez you know he has been you know before his last start he was the active era leader as in he has the highest era of any active starting pitcher in baseball right now but he is coming off a start in which he looked really good against the rangers he had a perfect game through three and two-thirds eight strikeouts through four hitless innings then he gave up two solo home runs to the rangers then he got out of the fifth and brandon hyde kind of said you know we have the lead Jorge gave up a couple homers. Let's take him out. Even though his pitch count was right around 70 and he could have gone deeper. He is a, you know, 95 mile per hour two seam guy um, who's going to get a little bit of swings and misses with that and a changeup and, and a curveball. But he's kind of looking for those those ground balls a lot. And, uh, you know, he's kind of an interesting start to this series because, you know, he can be good like we saw against Texas. But when he gets hit again among active starting pitchers in Major League Baseball, he has the highest ERA. It's in the upper sixes. So when things snowball, they snowball big time. And uh, I know if guys like Matt Olson and Matt Chapman can get to him early, um, the A's are probably in in good hands on Friday. But but who who does it look like they're going to send out there to oppose him? The A's are going to be sending out Cole Irvin, friend of the Locked On A's podcast, Cole Irvin. Um, his stat line doesn't look great, but in his first start, he got hurt a little bit by uh, leaving runners on and in the bullpen let those runners score same thing in his second start, but he's looked better than the stat line. Um, it's just been, you know, a, a hit here, here that, uh, or a hit there. He went six innings on Saturday against the Tigers, uh, six shutout innings. And he's, it looks like he's a very cerebral pitcher. He's going to attack guys, uh, according to where they place their hands and where he thinks he can get guys out. He's thinking about how to get guys out throughout the entire week. And I'm sure that he's already been given, you know, your roster, a nice once over at the very least. So I, 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 I like him a lot. And I think that he's, he's set up, he does, he puts in the work each and every day. He's been relying a lot more on his sinker this year, which is why I got him on the podcast. Cause I was like, he, he did one outing in spring training. I was like, this might be nothing, but it looks like he's throwing a sinker more. Maybe he's going for more ground balls and less swings and misses. And he's like, Hey, how about I set the record straight on the podcast? And I was like, okay, sure. And then he didn't deny that. And then that is what has been happening this season. So I was totally onto it and uh, it sounded like he wanted to call me up, but apparently I was right. So that was a lot of fun. So he's throwing a sinker a whole lot more and it's been very effective for him. He's been a very, very solid pitcher for the A's right now. Um, also, I, I was watching some of the uh, Orioles and Rangers game from last weekend. 
every game was fairly low scoring. You guys gave up four runs in three games. What the hell? <laughs> that That is not what I think of when I think of Orioles baseball, partially because of Oriole Park, but you know. Yeah, and it was disappointing to not come away with a sweep besides when doing that, because of course the Orioles did lose the third game, one nothing in 10 innings. Um, and they kind of wasted in the third game, a start from the guy who's going Saturday. And that is, you know, he has been the Orioles ace for the last two years, but we are creeping into John means maybe be considered an actual ace and not just the best pitcher on the Orioles status right now. So means will go Saturday. He threw seven innings scoreless against the Rangers on Sunday. I mean, ho-hum, that's what he's done all season, you know, seven innings scoreless, one hit on opening day against the Red Sox. And he's just, you know, built off that uh, since then. His bad start this year so far was five innings, three runs, in which he gave up three runs in the first inning and a third in a start and you know ran up the pitch count and then just locked in for the next four innings. But just because that pitch count got really high in the first two innings, he only was able to get through five. That's his like really bad blemish on the resume so far this year. I mean, Means has been amazing uh, through four starts, a 1-5-2 ERA, 23 Ks, six walks, and 24 innings. Um the fastball velocity is up. The changeup is incredible. It's his strikeout pitch. It's got crazy movement. It's got good difference in velocity from his fastball. And the thing that has taken John Means to the next level is he used to be a fastball changeup pitcher who happened to have a breaking ball who he could throw. Now he has a curveball that he can throw for a strike and a slider that he can get a swing and miss on. And he is a just a, a totally different pitcher. And, you know, between Lopez actually pitching well means pitching well and Dean Kramer finally figuring out how to throw a strike. Uh, that's how the Orioles were able to only give up four runs. And the other thing, the Orioles bullpen gave up only one of those four runs. The only run the Orioles bullpen gave up all weekend was in the bottom of the 10th inning. And of course that was when a runner had started at second anyway. And so, you know, the Orioles bullpen was locked down the entire weekend. And between that and means, you know, it, it's been kind of surprising. We went into the season being like, you know, the O's are going to hit. This pitching might be ugly, but the O's are going to hit. It's been the exact opposite so far. Yeah, they they haven't been swinging the bats too well. And I was going to ask about John Means, uh, what makes him so good? I know that, you know, according to his Fangrass stuff, it looks like he's, you know, average in stat cast and all that stuff. So it looks like he's very good at changing speeds on guys. I know that his curveball has been very effective. Uh, he's thrown like 54 of them. Uh, like it, it's like 54 or 56, one of those two, it's right around there and batters are 0 for eight against the pitch. So hasn't allowed a hit on that curveball yet. So it looks like he's just good at dropping it in every now and then when he needs, you know, either a ground ball or a strike. And that's kind of cool, but it's, it still looks like he's mostly fastball changeup and changing speeds and keeping guys off balance. Is that, is that what it is? Yeah. And he's able to throw strikes with both those pitches, the fastball and the changeup and the changeup has been his out pitch, his whole career. Um, and he's just really developed those other pitches more. And he's gone from a guy who throws 91 to a guy who throws 94 with the changeup velocity kind of staying the same, which makes him even more effective with the changeup. It now is the same velocity, but it has more movement and ha now has more of a difference from his fastball. So, you know, it's gotten better as he's gone along and he's throwing a lot of strikes and he just looks confident out there. And, you know, it's funny because he was the Orioles only all-star in 2019. So you would think that was when he broke onto the scene but he was really the product of a horrendous baseball team and having a good first half. And that's why, you know, they basically looked around and they said, well, it's either going to be Trey Mancini or John means. And they looked at the other first baseman and slash outfielders on the AL roster and said, we already have way too many of these. Let's just throw an Orioles pitcher in there. And it happened to be John means <laughs> um, because they had to have one representative. 
But oh, for sure. this year has been a difference. He is going to earn an all-star bid. If he keeps pitching like this, he's going to be on the all-star team. And a guy, you know, Orioles fans were upset in that 19 all-star game because he was basically the last pitcher on the roster. He didn't get to pitch. You know, Alex Cora said after the game, he was the emergency guy in case it went to extras. And, you know, if he gets there this year, like he'll get to pitch as well. And that's kind of what the what the difference is, has looked like and, and what it's meant for him. And now it's, you know, a whole different level for Orioles fans because it's like, is he getting so good? You know, the Orioles have basically said like, and the Orioles fans have said, you know, he's this great, but he's probably not a career two ERA guy. We know that. But he could be the number three starter on the next good Orioles team and they'd feel really, really good about that. But he's getting so good right now that it's like, if his value is never higher, what would a team be willing to give up right now to get John Means? And I know Mike Elias is taking calls. And so it's also something to watch for this season. I mean, if he wasn't a lefty, I'd say bring him to Oakland, but that would give him four lefties. And they're not the the Mariners at this point who have, I think, five, they, they were going with five for a minute out of six pitchers, and that was just ridiculous. But uh, getting back to Saturday start, Chris Bassett is the scheduled starter for that game. Uh, he's, you know, he got the opening day nod. He was extremely good in 2020. Uh, whether or not that was small sample size, we're going to find out. He's only had three starts. He hasn't looked very good. His control has not been there. His mechanics, he said, have been a little bit out of whack. So he's still trying to get into his usual groove. He's got like a four or five ERA. But the thing with Chris Bassett has been he'll he'll bend but not break. That's been what he's done the last two starts is he'll allow guys on. He'll get into sticky situations like second and third one out or no outs, and then he'll get out of it. So if the Orioles can deliver that big punch, then, you know, obviously it's not going to be a good day for Chris Bassett, but uh, if he can keep wriggling out of these situations, he's looking, that's how an ace pitches to me. You can get into trouble, but you got to get out of it. And I know that the stats aren't necessarily there. He's not the flashy, you know, uh, Max Scherzer or Clayton Kershaw, anybody like that, Jacob DeGrom, but for what the A's can afford and what they do, he is a very solid pitcher to have on the mound. And, I know that his stats are never going to be, you know, quote unquote, ace worthy, but he's doing a really good job, I think. And I like giving him kudos for not having it, but still keeping his team in the game. And that's all that you really ask for each and every day. Just don't let us get out of it in the third inning. Let us, you know, have a shot in the ninth. And, and he's doing that. So I enjoyed that. But let's move on to Sunday's game. You got Matt Harvey going, correct? Yeah, Matt Harvey. Former, former A's great, Matt Harvey. I, I do not believe that he ever pitched in Oakland, but he was in their minor league system for a while. And then nice. they were like, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah. In the year 2021, Matt Harvey is in the big leagues. And I am not here to tell you that Matt Harvey is back to dark night, you know, world series, 2015, Matt Harvey. I am not here to tell you even that Matt Harvey is good, but Matt Harvey is somewhere close to back to league average. Uh, he's actually pitching as we speak. Uh, he's, in the bottom of the fifth inning right now on the mound, uh, the Orioles are leading the Marlins six to one. And he's kind of throwing like he has all season. You know, it's he's not going to really get you past five innings. You know, your best day this year for Matt Harvey is probably a six inning outing where he gives up, you know, one or two runs. His stuff isn't super crisp. You know, the breaking ball is kind of more slow and loopy than it used to be. It's not, you know, a, a big snapping breaker that used to get guys to swing and miss. Now, the one good thing that the Orioles have gotten this year for Matt Harvey is on his fastball. It is back to kind of close to what he used to have. 
he's throwing, you know, 94, 95 with the fastball now, which was not what he had, you know, when he was with Oakland, you talked about when he was in Anaheim, when he was in Kansas City the last couple of years. He has also worked on kind of the tunneling and the release point and the movement, the vertical break on that fastball. So to turn it not into a sinker, but into something more than a straight four seamer, because he was trying to attack major league hitters with a straight up 90 mile an hour four seamer with not a high spin rate in Kansas City. That's why his ERA was like 14. That doesn't play. You either need the high spin rate, you need the vertical break, you know, the kind of sinking two seam action, or you just need 98 in your back pocket. He had none of those things and it wasn't working. So what he worked on, he couldn't get the spin rate. Instead, it was kind of that that vertical break, that sinker stuff. And, you know, it has worked to get him some ground balls, you know, get him some some double plays, you know, out of some some jams he's been in. He when you watch him, the eye test says he looks like he's about to blow up at any any time. It hasn't happened yet. It could happen someday, but it hasn't happened yet. And as long as he's giving the Orioles about five innings, two runs each time, no matter how ugly it looks, they're going to keep trotting him out there. I I, I love Matt Hurry. I, I I mean, I probably shouldn't because I don't know that he's a great person, but I loved premium dark night Matt Harvey. That was so much fun. Um, as for the A's, we don't necessarily know who they're going to be trotting out there on Sunday. The A's are currently playing a doubleheader right now. Shamanaya and Jesus Lazardo are both starting today. So it'll be one of those two. I don't know which one. Um, Mike Fires, I know, is also in the back pocket. He's going to be returning from injury sometime in the next, by the end of the month. And uh, this series happens to fall before the end of the month. So maybe Mike Fires is also uh making his season debut in this series. I don't think so, but we'll see. Um, I mean, maybe he could start for Cole Irvin instead. I don't know that it would be that soon, but uh, if he's going to take a spot in the rotation, Mike Fires would probably be taking Cole Irvin's and then you figure out if he's going to be in the bullpen or, you know, sent back down to the alternate site. But I'm assuming that it's going to be Shamanaya. I don't know why, maybe because he pitched the first game of the doubleheader today. Um, and you don't want to necessarily have Jesus Luzardo pitching at Oriole Park where home runs are a little bit easier to come by. He can get bogged down by the home run a little bit. And also, Shamanaya had that game, uh, the wild card game in 2019, where he got beat up a little bit by the Rays, who were the A's next opponent. So those are my considerations for who would start this game. Um, so I think that you got Shamanaya is my guess. I'm not sure that it's going to be him. He's been looking really good, though, so far. Uh, he is also pitching currently and uh we're in the top of the sixth and he is not allowed to run he's he's go. gotten into a little bit of trouble but not too much and uh he's just been pitching angry has been his thing this year he got blown up in his first start and then he's like no i'm gonna go pitch with a chip on my shoulder and it works i don't know how but it works and so good for him he's one of my favorite people in baseball he is just full of joy and just such a nice guy so i always root for shamanaya um I, I do want to ask, though, because I don't remember playing the Orioles in Baltimore this early in a season. And granted, I don't take you know notes on when these things happen. But does Oriole Park still play like the bandbox that it is uh, this early in the season? Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it obviously isn't as much when it's cold. But, you know, here in Baltimore today, it was 75 and sunny. And so if it's something close to that over the weekend, it's going to play um, like that in Baltimore the ball's gonna be flying out of the yard and you know John Means as good as he he's been he's still a little prone you know something he's so good at is kind of somehow just you know when he gives up that home run it always seems like it's only a solo home run 
you know, but he is a little prone to the long ball that can get him. Matt Harvey has been prone to the long ball. And when Jorge Lopez blows up, he's definitely prone to the long ball. So it could definitely play a factor um, this weekend. But, you know, even though it's still going to be April, the ball definitely flies out. In just one minute, we're going to be talking about players that you need to know or that will be known by the end of the weekend for each team. And that's a lot of fun. I learned a lot about some uh, Baltimore Orioles bullpen pieces. You're not going to want to miss that. But I do got to tell you guys about one more sponsor that we have. And this one's an easy one. It's the best tasting protein bar ever. And we are talking about Built Bar, my friends. The improved Built Bar is even more delicious. They have 18 amazing flavors, including nut and non-nut flavors. They have six new flavors like caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake carrot cake and apple almond crisp they have their original 12 flavors like german chocolate peanut butter that sounds really good right now it's almost midnight peanut butter built bar that sounds delicious right now and no matter which flavor you're getting you're getting 100 chocolate on top of this bar and they are soft and easy to chew they're protein bars that taste like candy bars and all of the bars are built for health conscious people Their bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, and great for the keto diet. So all you got to do to get your hands on some of these delicious treats is go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 and you will get 15% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Today through the 26th, listen to the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 presented by Locked On and Odyssey, featuring analysis from NFL experts Michael Irvin, Jason LaConfora, and Brian Baldinger, our local experts from every team making trades and picks uh, for the next stars of their team. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 in the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. Odyssey is your home for all the sports, podcasts, music, and news that matter to you. That is A-U-D. A-C-Y, and this is not part of the copy, but I actually listened to one of these. I'm not a big football fan, and I had a lot of fun uh, just with this show. So uh, if you like football, check this show out. It was really, really cool. I I felt very informed by it. Uh, Granted, I knew nothing, but I learned something, and that was a lot of fun for me. And uh, this is just a great show. You should totally go check it out on the new Odyssey app. And uh, if you like this show, the Locked on A's podcast, usually I'm not doing interviews with Connor Newcomb, but uh, if you like it, make sure to hit subscribe on our own podcast and follow us on social media at Locked on A's on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at by Jason B on Twitter and in the locker room app. And if you have any questions for us, please send those to LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. So with that, let's learn about this Baltimore bullpen and who's going to be trying to shut the A's down. Uh, They've got some fun stuff. And they also have a pitcher who has a funky name for one of his pitches, just like the turkey sub for Jesus Luzardo. So uh, enjoy. I did want to kind of finish up with, you know, we've we've mentioned kind of a lot of guys here. But, you know, after a three-game series of the Orioles watching the A's for the first time since 2019, because these two teams, you know, didn't face off and, and then, you know, we will see the A's, I think a week later, two weeks later, they play in Oakland. The, the, the next weekend. Right. So after these six games, give me one athletics player who Orioles fans don't know at all right now. And after these six games, you think they will know pretty well. Do you guys know Sean Murphy? A little bit. I do. But he, I think he still hasn't broken onto the scene yet as much where I think he, he could be. I, I'm going to say Sean here. Murphy. A's catcher, he was a rookie in 2019, so you might not have even seen him in a game then. 2020, he got hurt a little bit, but not to, he's a catcher. He plays like half the time. So 
but he has lots of power. And I think that he's starting to break through a little bit with the bat as we speak right now. Uh, he had a big home run, a game tying home run against Matt Boyd, uh, a, a guy that's similar to uh, John Means, I think, sw switching speeds and all that stuff. He shut down the A's pretty good, but the bullpen gave it up late. And he, he went in with a plan. He was hunting fastballs all day. He finally got one that he drove to deep left center, tied up the game. And I think that he's going to start getting going with the bat here because he's been struggling a little bit. I think that uh, on top of getting going, playing in Oriole Park, especially if the ball is flying, uh, you, you guys all know who Sean Murphy is by the end of it, the first weekend. I don't know about the second weekend, but the first weekend, I think that Sean Murphy's, if he plays two out of three games, maybe he has a couple of home runs. That'd be nice. He's going to probably be an all-star as well, I would imagine, because there's not a ton of great catchers in the American League. And, Salvador Perez is having a great season so far, but off the top of my head, can't think of any others. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think these two teams and these two fan bases after not playing since 2019 next two weeks, they're going to know a, a whole lot more about each other. It's going to be so much fun. Um, I, I have one question for you though. And that is uh, Trey Mancini. He missed 2020 uh, recovering from cancer, correct? Pancreatic cancer, uh, colon cancer, um, colon cancer. Okay. Um, how, how's he looking now? I know that his stats aren't quite, you know, what you would want them to be, but it's still early and all that. Uh, how's he looking? Does he look like he's doing okay? Cause you know, just from a, a human standpoint, you, you want to see him do well. I think everybody kind of wants him to be the comeback player of the year. Uh, if he puts up, you know, a decent stat line, even over Jed Lowry, who is 37 years old and playing like he's 25. Um, how, how's he looking? He's looking good. Um, it, it wasn't a good start, but he was hitting the ball really hard and was getting robbed a lot early in the season. Health-wise, he looks good. You know, he's gotten a couple of days off, and, and that was expected. Brandon Hyde talked about that in spring training. You know, he's not going to have him by any means play 162 this year. And he's also been playing pretty much exclusively first base or DH. You know, Trey used to play kind of split time between the outfield and first base. A lot of that has to do with how crowded the Orioles outfield already is. But some of it has to do with, you know, just keeping him a little more rested, you know, either first base or DH when he's in there, but you know, there was the struggles uh, with the strikeouts. He was grinding into a lot of double plays. He was hitting the ball hard, but wasn't getting rewarded, but actually just in time for this A's series, Jason, he has started to heat up as we speak. Uh, Trey is five for his last six. Uh, he did hit a monster 420 plus foot home run tonight at Marlins park, um, which would have literally hit right off the big giant home run statue. Had it still been there. Um, but of course it has been removed from the ballpark. Uh, but but he's heating up the batter. The, the batting eyes look better tonight so far as we speak. Single home run and walk um, in the game against the Marlins. Swing is is good. You know he looks healthy. It's not like you know he looks like he's lost weight. Like he, his body looks very similar. Um, and it's it's obviously just a great story that he's on the field no matter what. But you know he was getting really frustrated. He hit a ball last week uh, that looked like it was going to be at the very least a game tying double in extras and maybe was going to be a walk-off home run against the Mariners last week. Hit a ball to right center field to the warning track. With the juice ball, it's a home run. And guy makes a nice catch. Orioles end up losing the game. He came back into the dugout and legitimately almost ripped his helmet in half. He had his two hands on his helmet and was pulling as hard as he can and running down the tunnel. It looked like he was going to rip it in half. That's how frustrating his start had been with the hard-hit balls. They're finally falling in for hits and uh, just in time to play the A's. Well, that's wonderful. Love that news. Uh, since you asked the question, I, I'm also intrigued. Uh, give me one player that from the Orioles that's going to make a name for themselves over the next six games against the A's. 
You know, it's interesting because, you know, there are some definitely unknown hitters for the Orioles, but you know, these guys have kind of struggled and, and they're coming in waves. Like right now, Trey started to hit and, and Freddie Galvis is starting to hit, but those two guys are, are veteran guys who, who fans know. Um, Anthony Santander just got injured in this game. Not sure if he'll even play this weekend, but I actually do want to go to the bullpen. And uh, you know, I'm not sure how much A's fans know about the Orioles setup man and closer, but I'm just going to hand them both out. Tanner Scott, the Orioles setup man is a left-hander who throws 99 miles an hour with a ridiculous wipeout slider. He's a two-pitch pitcher, but he basically was a not a big-time prospect, but a top-30 prospect who was always seen as a reliever who just had no command. He was the guy going out there firing 98 and had no idea where it was going. Last year, he finally figured out the command. It's a completely different pitcher. He had an ERA under two last year. He's right around 2.5, I think, this year so far through six appearances. He gets righties and lefties out. No righty has the ability to lay off his back foot slider. It's ridiculous to watch sometimes. And when he comes with 99 from the left side, it's crazy. And the way it works for the Orioles is you would think, oh, that guy's got to be your closer. You know, he's got Chapman-like stuff. Well, he throws the eighth and then out trots in the ninth inning, Cesar Valdez, who throws 90% changeups. These changeups come in at 78 miles an hour. He calls the pitch the dead fish because he just tosses it up in the air and it flops around like a dead fish into the strike zone. Valdez has three saves. He has a 1.13 ERA through eight innings so far this year. He had about a two ERA last year with the Orioles as their closer. And it is such a difference from what you see in the eighth and the ninth that you think you're going to hit Valdez all the time and teams just don't. And A's fans are going to come away frustrated the first time they see him because they're going to say, he's throwing it 78 miles an hour every single time. How do you not hit it? It's the dead fish. It's the magic of the dead fish. I think A's fans are going to know Valdez and Scott after the next two weekends. Is it kind of like a screwball where he doesn't necessarily know where it's going or is it that that's, it's the same sort of movement every time, or, you know, even like a knuckleball. It's kind of of like a knuckleball. It's been interesting to hear opposing hitters talk about it because sometimes it almost works as like, you know, a split changeup where it'll, you know, a righty throws it down and away from a lefty down and into a righty. Sometimes it works like a curveball where it'll actually go down and away from a righty down and into a lefty. And it's almost like a knuckleball where you throw it. You don't know exactly what it's going to do every time, but you know, it's going to move. That's what it looks like. The velocity is pretty similar every time, but it cuts different ways. It's almost like when Zach Britton was at his height with the Orioles, he, his sinker was so good sometimes that it almost would sink different ways every time he threw it. Now Valdez's pitch is 20 miles per hour slower, but it's the same kind of thing where it sinks different ways and even though the hitters know, like with Britain, he, he threw a couple sliders in there, but they knew that big sinker was coming every time. Mm-hmm. Valdez throws a couple fastballs in there, maybe when he's 3-0 and or he needs it. But they know that changeup, the dead fish is coming every time, but you don't know where it's going. You don't know where it's going to be, and it's just hard to hit. I love that. I don't want to see him, but I want to see him pitch. So that'll be a lot of fun. Um, well, that is it for me. Where can uh, people find you, Connor? At Locked On Orioles on Twitter, at Connor Newcomb underscore on Twitter. Of course, you can listen to the pod wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and Jason, you as well. I'm, I'm sure many of the people know where to find you, but let the Orioles listeners know as well. At Locked On A's, wherever you like podcasts. Also, Locked On A's on Twitter and Instagram. I am at by Jason B on Twitter and in the Locker Room app. And uh, yeah, that's that's you'll find me at one of those things. So uh, that's it for me. Connor, uh, this was wonderful. Uh, maybe we can do this again before next weekend series too. Yeah, we'll see how these three games go and then uh, how they match up. Uh, Kind of a weird schedule to have Oakland and Baltimore playing in back-to-back weeks, but, you know, 
here we are. And then we'll never see each other again. Right. <laughs> All right. Take it easy, man. Okay, that is the end of the podcast. Uh, if you made it this far, thank you so much. I hope you guys enjoyed that uh, in-depth conversation with Connor Newcomb. He's a great guy. Go follow him on uh, social media and uh, listen to his podcast because he is very informative. But that is it for us today. Let's hope that the A's get at least two out of three, if not win all three, and then continue to win games in ridiculous ways because that's a lot of fun. So uh, with that, stay indoors and celebrate good times, Oakland. Keep wearing those masks, and I will talk with you guys on Monday.